In the opening chapter of John's gospel, we find what might be uh, one of the most overlooked verses in uh, part of the gospels. Jesus is uh, at work calling his disciples. He's calling Philip and Nathaniel uh, to follow him. And then in John chapter uh, 151, okay, verse one, uh, verse 51 of chapter one, Jesus then tells Philip and Nathaniel this. He says, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, imagine meeting Jesus for the first time as Philip and Nathaniel did in that moment and have Jesus say to them, you are going to see angels descending and ascending upon me. N.T. Wright says that Jesus was essentially saying that he's like a ladder that connects the veil between heaven and earth, that the veil between heaven and earth is torn, it is broken, and that we see in Jesus fully and completely this collision of heaven and earth intertwined together. In him, we fully see the kingdom of God. And indeed, that's what they saw, right? The disciples saw him heal the sick. They saw him feed the multitudes. They saw him raise the dead. And all of this, even for his own death and resurrection, we see heaven and earth coming together in Jesus, the veil being torn. So if Jesus, okay, that's the, the, the presumption we make, right? If Jesus is this person in whom heaven and earth came together, then it makes a lot of sense that we would seek to follow him. It makes a lot of sense that we would do what he tells us to do, because indeed it is through him and for him and by him, we learn everything about the kingdom of God that he wants us to know. And so today we start this series called At Jesus, Following the Way of Jesus. And part of this series, by the way, this series is going to take us all the way until after Easter next year. We'll take a break here and there. Uh, for Christmas and for some other things, but uh, it takes us all the way through Easter. And what we're going to take a look at, we're going to take a look at those moments in the Gospels when Jesus says, okay, follow me, do this, do that, know this, know that. And so I'm really glad uh, that you're part of this series starting, and I just can't encourage you enough to just track with it, and uh, not only on Sundays or, or whenever you watch the message, but also uh, in the other days as well. Now, I want to dig into uh, our text this morning, uh, which is found in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Uh, but before that, let me offer just a few words of housekeeping about the series. Uh, first of all, uh, you should have received uh, a little notebook if you're part of the OTCC family. Uh, this little notebook is uh, a notebook on which you can uh, make notes. Uh, you can use it as a journal if you want. Uh, you were either given these, uh, they were hand-delivered, or uh, they were uh, sent to you in the mail. Now, if you are not a part of the OTCC family, uh, you're watching online, no matter where you are, if you want one, let us know. We'll send you one at absolutely no cost. Uh, so that you can uh, track this and keep up. Uh, you just email office at oldtown.cc and we'll get one to you. Uh, second, uh, one thing you'll notice is you'll notice that in uh, this little notebook, I've listed uh, resources for additional study. 
And uh, there are some terrific, terrific resources here that you can just take a deeper dive in. Uh, they've been helpful uh, for me, uh, a, a, as well as a, uh, a, a message series by a friend of mine named Joel Johnson. I don't think I've got that on here. But anyway, uh, the terrific, terrific uh, resources for you to just dig in. Now, you don't need to get all of them and study them. Just get one or two. Uh, and take uh, a deeper dive. The third thing, uh, as a matter of housekeeping, and last thing, is that what we'll notice in this series is we'll notice that Jesus engages a rhythm, a back and forth, and it's, it's a powerful rhythm that Jesus used in making disciples. And that is he would offer both an invitation uh, for uh, disciples to follow him, to draw near to him, and to be in relationship with him, and he also challenged them. So he drew them near in relationships and, and, and saying, you know, I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really glad uh, to be in a relationship with you. I want to be in a relationship with you. And then he would challenge them and say, but if you want to know what God is all about, it's like this or it's like that. Or do this, do that. And he called them to a very high and holy purpose. And so Jesus just mixed very well the concepts of invitation and challenge. And you're going to feel that rhythm uh, throughout uh, this series. So anyway, with that said, with the housekeeping offered, let's get started. Our text today is John chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 8. Now, before we read that, uh, I have an easy, easy series theme verse uh, for us to memorize. And it's from John uh, chapter 14, 15. It is simply this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Okay. You can almost memorize that before the end of the message today. If you love me, you will obey what I command. But you see there, right there in that short little verse, this concept of invitation, relationship, and challenge. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Let's read it together. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Several years ago, Oklahoma native Zach Dunlop had a terrible ATV accident, and 36 hours later, he was declared brain dead. His family gathered around him to say goodbye, and after which, a nurse began to prep his body uh, for organ donation. And as the nurse, right before she was about to start, all of a sudden, Zach reached up and grabbed her arm. He was not dead. He was alive. He came back to life. But how? Doctors blamed faulty equipment. His uncle said it was a miracle and that God had touched his body. But no matter how, his family had to be overwhelmed 
with the joy and gratitude that they had Zach back. However, we do know, unless Christ returns before he dies, that Zach will one day, like all of us, die a physical death. I mean, that's how life works, right? We're born, we live, and we die. Imagine then how much of a miracle it is for God to break through the veil of heaven and reach down and touch your heart in such a way that you are born again. No, as, as Sarah said in the, in the children's message, not that we receive a new kind of physical life, but a completely new life, a new way of seeing, a new way of living, a spiritual life that will never, ever die. This is the challenge that Jesus laid out to his curious inquirer named Nicodemus one night. Maybe we could call this Nick at night. Would, you, would that be good, Brian? Okay, good, Nick at night. If you want to taste the salvation grace of God, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus and follow his ways, you must be born again. Now, let's take a, a closer look at our text. Let's start with the wiki on Nicky. Nicodemus had some wonderful qualities. He was a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees are positioned in the Bible and in the Gospels, along with others, as the antagonists of Jesus, and in many ways they were. Sort of like Wiley Coyote trying to catch the roadrunner. They were always trying to catch and trap Jesus theologically. And even though they were misguided, they also seemed to have an earnest desire to follow the laws of God. Nicodemus was a member of the ruling council, the Sanhedrin. It would be like the Jewish Supreme Court. And with the Jews living under Roman occupation, the Sanhedrin was the most authoritative body in Jewish life. And the Romans allowed the Sanhedrin to have complete authority over matters of culture and jurisdiction over matters of culture and religion. And it was their job to examine so-called prophets and weed out those who would cause popular insurrection among the people and upset the balance of power with Rome. They had a powerful sense, the Pharisees, they had a powerful sense of community and social responsibility. And Nicodemus was a part of this group. And we see here that he shows a human side. He came to Jesus at night, but we don't know why. Maybe it's because that's when rabbis engaged in theological discourse. Maybe it was because Jesus had already caused a, a popular stir and he didn't want to cause another commotion. Or maybe he was curious and he went under the cover of darkness as part of his own spiritual journey. Maybe he was drawn to Jesus, but he didn't want to risk his reputation. What we do know is interesting about Nicodemus as John's gospel unfolds is that he did defend sort of a sense of due process for Jesus in John chapter 7, verse 51, and we do see at the end, after Jesus died on the cross, we do see, see that he helped Joseph of Arimathea with the preparation of Jesus's body, that Nicodemus, John says, brought 75 pounds of spices, and he helped Joseph anoint the body of Jesus and wrap the body of Jesus and prepare it for burial. So imagine this Pharisee carrying 75 pounds of spices to go and to anoint the body of Jesus. My point here is that we need to see the very human side of Nicodemus in this question. He is curious. 
He is respectful of Jesus, and yet he seems torn, divided, and struggling. He approached Jesus in the way that many of us do at first, right? Curious, but not sure we want to go all in. Respectful of how God has worked in his life, but not sure we want to elevate Jesus to divine status. Drawn to the beauty, vulnerability, and humility of Jesus in such a way that he would defend him in, a, in, a, in an argument or trial and anoint and respect his body for burial, but not sure we're ready to leave everything behind to follow him. His bio raises a great question for us, or series of questions. Have we gone all in with Jesus? Have we elevated Jesus to his rightful place? Are we ready to announce to the world in broad daylight for everyone to hear that we love him and that we follow him? Nicodemus comes to Jesus, though, and gives him the respect. He tells them that he knows God must be with him because he could see what God was doing. And then, imagine this now, Nicodemus leans in and he says those things to Jesus. But then Jesus, to be really honest here, kind of sets him back a bit, right? He sets him back. You've heard of a cold cup of water in Jesus' name? Well, this was a cold cup of water right in the face of Nicodemus. Jesus said, my paraphrase, you know, Nicodemus, you say, hey, I see that you're a great teacher and God is with you. Jesus said, my paraphrase, platitudes, schmatitudes. Now, you're not going to find schmatitudes in, in John's gospel. I think it's in the back somewhere else. What Jesus is saying here is you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Nicodemus, you can't really see what God is up to unless you're born again. This had to be a shock to Nicodemus. It was like he and Jesus were just talking right past each other. Have you ever been in that situation where you're saying one thing and the other person's saying another, and it's just, you're just talking right past them? There was this, this young guy, and he was raised in such a way that his parents spoiled him uh, all, all his life, just spoiled before uh, he went, even when he went to college, right? His parents got him a housekeeper, and the housekeeper came in and cleaned the dorm and, and did his laundry and everything. Well, this young guy got married and uh, went on his honeymoon, came back, and his wife just threw the suitcases in the laundry room and said, here, you do the laundry. And he was like, I, I don't know how to do the laundry. He said, you just figure it out. And so he's in the laundry room, and he, he takes out one of his T-shirts, and, and he yells to his wife in the other room. He says, you know, how do I wash this shirt? And she says, what does the label say? He said, Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> he was spoiled. He, okay, he didn't. Okay, all right. So uh, people are laughing in the room. Those of you at home, bad jokes still count. Um, they were talking right past each other. But do you know what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus here, even though it sounded like they were talking past each other, is you're spiritually dead. You're spiritually dead, which is why you can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought he was okay because of his spiritual pedigree and because of his devotion. But Jesus is saying the life of God is not about your pedigree. It's not about your nationality. It's not about your religious routine. And remember, Nicodemus was a, a really good and, and generous guy. He seemed 
generous in a number of good deeds. So we see here that being tight with God is not about your goodness, where or to whom you were born. After he gets over the shock, Nicodemus has a follow-up question for Jesus, and he walks right into it. He says, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they can't enter their mother's womb for a second time. How can you be born again when you're old? This was the question of a lifetime, wasn't it? Have you asked that question? Have you ever asked that question, how can I be born again? Well, I want you to know this morning, if you've never asked the question, I hope that you will. And I want you to know that I hope you ask that question over and over again until you receive an answer from the Lord. I hope God will use the rest of this message today to help you see how indeed you can be born again. So what does it mean? to be born again. Jesus said no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they've been born again. So it makes sense then that we would seek to understand what it means to be born again, that we also need to understand what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. If you're someone who is not familiar with the Bible, this concept of the kingdom of God may sound like some sort of insider language. And let's face it, even people who are familiar with the Bible every day and read the Bible every day might know more about the magic kingdom in Orlando than they do the kingdom of God. So let me offer a few, okay, six, but don't turn me off because I said six because they're going to go fast. Let me offer a few rapid-fire characteristics of the kingdom of God. First of all, the kingdom of God does not have geographical, national, or ethnic boundaries. Praise be to God. We serve a cosmic Christ. The kingdom of God is the movement alive in the world where God's rule and reign is supreme. You know, when we pray uh, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is on earth as it is in heaven, we affirm this connection between heaven and earth and we confess that God's rule reigns supreme, untouched in heaven, and we want that to reign in its fullness here on earth. We want God's way to rule in the hearts of men and women. We want people today to turn their hearts to God and to worship Him and adore Him. We want the rule of God to impact how we live and think and see the world practically every day. We want justice for all people. We want God's rule to reign in such a way that there are no hungry bellies and no violence and no war. I mean, think about it. There will not be hunger or war or poverty or sickness or disease or injustice or racism or self-centeredness, bickering and divisions and the like in heaven. And as citizens of God's kingdom, we long for that and we work for that on earth. And we know that it can happen anywhere that God rules in the heart of his people, in the hearts of his people. Second, when you're born again, you receive a new spiritual birth address. My birth certificate says I was born in Greensboro, North Carolina. That is my physical birth address. The physical place in which I was born impacts, and it shapes the way I see the world, and it shapes certain aspects of my life. It shapes my accent, for example. It shapes my food preferences. My idea of a feast is pork soaked in vinegar with hush puppies smothered in honey butter, Diet Coke and a hunk of my mom's pound cake. I cut out iced tea just to cut a few of the calories out of that. 
See, our physical birth address impacts how we see the world. But when you're born into the kingdom of God, it shapes the way you see the world. It shapes what you value as good and noble. It shapes what you see as sacred and worthy in your life to worship. It shapes your spiritual taste buds. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You're given a hunger and a thirst for the righteousness of God. It shapes your desires. It shapes your mission and your work in the world. Third, being born, into the, being born again into the kingdom of God means you're loyal to the leader of the kingdom, and his name is Jesus. And loyalty to him is above any other loyalty in your life. It is above your family loyalties. It is above your bloodline loyalty. It is above your ethnic loyalties. It is above your college loyalties. It is above your political loyalties. Fourth, being born again means we are born into a new family. And we live in obedience to our Heavenly Father. We're sons and daughters of the King. And the essence of being a child of the King is to live with an open hand toward God, expecting God to provide and to protect us, and with an open hand to the world ready to bless others the way God has blessed us, ready to be generous with others the way God has been generous with us, ready to love as God first loved us. We have a desire to live in joyful, glad obedience. In other words, we obey God, not because somebody put a a list of rules on the wall at school or because someone put a list of rules even in the walls at the church or at the courtyard. No, we don't obey God because of that. We don't obey God because mom and dad told us to, and if they didn't, we had to sit and time out after church. It happened to me. We don't obey God because we're worried somebody's going to smack us over the knuckles with a ruler. Some of you probably had that. That motivation, none of those motivations ever last, ever. We obey God because we love it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. The converse, if you don't, you won't. <laughs> right, Brian? I was, Jody and I were out with a friend who has a, a boat. He's out, out on the Potomac River. We were cruising uh, very slowly uh, past Old Town, past the, the park, uh, where they let dogs jump in the river, and I was just so taken. There was this either yellow lab or golden retriever, I couldn't tell from a distance, just diving into the water, constantly fetching a tennis ball that uh, his or her owner was throwing in the water. And the dog would get it, put it in its mouth, and swim back, get it, put its mouth, swim back, over and over and over again. And I thought, number one, that dog was just bred to do that, right? But that dog wanted to please its, its, its master, It just wanted to please. Master threw the ball. I'm going to go get the ball and bring it back over and over again. Being born again means we just want to please Jesus. We just want to. Fifth, being born again means we are born into eternal life. Being born again is no less than being saved and going to heaven when we die but it is so much more. It means that we are reconciled to God now and we have the power to step into the new life that God has for us now for all eternity. Yes, to be sure we battle flesh 
and it is often an intense battle, but we know that we have the ultimate victory and ultimate power to stand against evil. One day in God's time, when we step into the other side of eternity, it will not be like we have entered a strange and unfamiliar place. Right? Because we've already been born into this kingdom. So yes, it will be wonderfully different. Yes, there will be mysteries that we wonder about on earth that we'll, we will see then. But it will not be wholly strange and wholly unfamiliar. We will recognize aspects of the kingdom on the other side because we get to live part of it here on this side. And we will see Jesus not as a stranger, but we'll see him as a friend who said, I am going to prepare a place for you. So when we step onto the other, into the other side of eternity, it's going to be somewhat familiar because we've already been born into it now. Lastly, being born again means that we have been born of the water and the Spirit. Jesus said, you have to be born of water and spirit. Now, what does this mean? Remember, Jesus is, is speaking to an expert in the Jewish scriptures. And so when Jesus told Nicodemus that he can't enter God's kingdom unless he is born of the water and the spirit, this would have sounded familiar to Nicodemus. He was echoing the words that God spoke through the great prophet Ezekiel. Let me just read them. They're beautiful. God speaking through Ezekiel says, For I will take you out of nations to the nation of Israel. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Isn't that beautiful? My guess is some of you may have never seen that word of prophecy from Ezekiel about how it takes God to give us a new spirit to even keep the decrees and laws. Being born of the water represents God's cleansing of our sin through the blood of Jesus. We see this beautifully represented and symbolized in our baptism. No, water baptism alone does not save you. What it represents does. It represents the cleansing of sin by the blood of Jesus. And we're not just forgiven, right? Being born of the Spirit means that we have the power of the living God within us that enables us to live in victory and freedom now. It means the grip of sin no longer has power and we're enabled to follow in obedience by God's grace upon us. Quick summary of the six characteristics. Being born again means we have, been, we have taken Jesus into the very center of our being, that we have awakened to the rule and way of God in this world, and we are enabled to live in joyful, glad obedience to King Jesus forever, for all eternity, by the grace and power of God. So somebody asked, how in the world can I be born again? Being born again is not something we do. You can't say, hey, I think my goal for fall 2020 is to be born again. Well, you can say my goal is to get closer to Jesus. But being born again is a gift from God that we receive. 
Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. We are born again when God touches our heart through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And when we yield in complete surrender and say yes, let me say that again. We're born again when God touches our heart through the Holy Spirit. And then when we yield in complete surrender and say yes. Harry Emerson Fosdick was one of the great preachers of the 20th century. He said when he was a boy, he used to look out of his window and see the tree branches moving. He could feel the breeze, and in his young mind, he thought it was the branches that created the breeze. As he grew older, he realized it was the other way around. The breeze moved the branches. One writer wrote, that's the way it works with our spiritual birth. There are things we can do to open ourselves up to God. We pray, we study, we learn, we ask questions, we hear the word of God proclaimed, we open our lives with a willed commitment to Jesus. But that's just the leaves blowing in the wind. The wind itself, the mover that moves our hearts is the spirit of God. And how the Holy Spirit moves among our willed commitment is a mystery to our human mind. Have you been born again? Jesus says you have to. You have to be in order to see the kingdom of God. It is not for me to say whether you've been born again, but it is for you to know. And you probably do. You know if God has touched your heart and if you've responded in obedience. If so, this is good. My guess is you also know if you've been pushing God away. You also know if you have at times felt the Spirit of God tugging, but you have pushed away and you've yet to respond. It's a gentle question this morning as we begin this series. Why would you choose to remain spiritually dead when you can open your life to the Spirit today and receive the wonderful, beautiful new life that Jesus offers. I hope you will. Let's pray together. Let me just ask you, if you've been born again, if you've received salvation from Jesus, I want to invite you to do two things. First of all, I want to invite you to thank God for your salvation. First and foremost, just worship him, honor him, adore him, and thank him for your salvation. It is a gift from God. The second thing I want you to do is to hit your knees and pray for a loved one, a friend, a neighbor who does not know Jesus. Ask God to use you to share his love with them. If you've not been born again and you feel God's spirit pulling your heart toward him this morning, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I admit that I need you and that I'm spiritually dead without you. I know that I need to be forgiven and I believe in faith that Jesus died for my sins. I ask you for your cleansing forgiveness today and I pledge my life, my love, and my loyalty to you. I want to be born again today. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, let me just encourage you, 
again, no matter where you are, no matter when you listen to this message, if you prayed that last prayer, if you've never been born again and you prayed to invite Jesus into your life, let me invite you to let us know. Pick up the phone, call us here at uh, Old Town Community Church. Email if you'd rather. Uh, You can find all of our addresses on the website. We'd love to talk with you more about what it means to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We'll also continue the dialogue uh, in worship here uh, on Sunday mornings as we seek to grow together to be more and more like Jesus. God bless. I hope you have a great week.